Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations all across the country, helping them to translate vision into reality. I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the podcast and another exciting conversation with a guest that I know that you're going to find as fascinating as I do. Um, with that, without further ado, I want to welcome Sandra Jenzer uh, to the podcast. Sandra is a nonprofit profit consultant who has that absolutely fascinating background and is going to be joining us for a conversation around a really interesting perspective of nonprofit leadership. Sandra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Greg. I am delighted to be here and um, share a little bit about my background and just my love. First of all, I just love the name of this podcast, Nonprofit Vision. I'm completely with you on that and look forward to sharing how that um, correlates and integrates with what I do. Excellent. Sandra, tell us a little bit about your background. I know you and I have talked previously, uh, and, and I was fascinated to to hear more about your leadership journey. I know that you, like me, are uh, originally a New Yorker, but that that is not your yes. destination. You've traveled a number of different roads. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and share a little bit about where I'm from and what that means to my work and how I ended up in New York and um, where that led me. So uh, my personal background and my work are very much intertwined, as you mentioned. Um, at six years old, I was adopted from an orphanage in El Salvador and raised by a single mother in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I actually have very vivid, excuse me, very vivid memories of my early childhood in the orphanage with malnutrition, unsanitary water that, as you know, causes a lot of children to have parasites, um, no preschool or other types of education or other recreational activities, and no stable family to help us through any of it. So these experiences were profound for me in developing who I am today um, and pretty much set the foundation for my purpose-driven work to make a difference in the world and positively impact underserved communities. Um, so that's my per, uh, personal background and how that connects with my, per, my professional background is really um, while being adopted absolutely set the foundation for my purpose in life and you know just what I knew I needed to do, the kind of impact that I wanted to have, joining the Peace Corps after college provided the framework I would use to deliver that purpose. Um, yes, sorry, did you need to say anything? Um, no, I was just going to say, if you could maybe summarize for our listeners who may not be familiar with that Peace Corps um, approach, how that kind of uh, established a frame or a structure for your later work. Absolutely. Um, the Peace Corps is a two-year commitment that I would highly recommend to anybody just graduating college. It is a life-changing experience. Um, and really, depending on what you study or focus on, um, whatever that is, whatever area that is, you get placed as a volunteer into various sectors that are very wide and far-reaching. So it can include teaching, entrepreneurship, IT, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you, skills you bring to the table, um, the Peace Corps does a great job to ensure um, a great match for the host countries that need those services and volunteers who are interested in providing those services throughout their two-year commitment. So for me, with a liberal arts degree in anthropology, sociology, and philosophy, 
I was considered more of a generalist and was invited to join a group of 12 pioneering a new program in community development in Western Samoa in the South Pacific. Um, so for me, this is perhaps one of the best gifts I ever received in my life. It opened up and solidified for me the way I wanted to show up in my work and provided a paradigm I would use for all my nonprofit work going forward. Um, and since then, I've had the pleasure of working in various nonprofits as a director of development, sometimes as a director of development and communications, and recently branched out on my own to provide consulting services, as you mentioned, to emerging smaller and mid-sized nonprofits utilizing this paradigm and this model that I really feel is one of the ultimate um, approaches any nonprofit can make when delivering programs and services in communities. If you, if you could, Sandra, maybe just summarize what is that paradigm, what is that model that you took from the Peace Corps and applied to your nonprofit work? Sure. Um, so again, this, this holistic leadership model is very much connected to the time the Peace Corps has extended into my unwavering commitment to a holistic nonprofit ecosystem and really is a model that for me means everything we do both inside and outside an organization needs to be aligned and in my opinion should be underpinned by humility, inclusivity, collaboration and integrity. And it means being okay with not having all the answers and instead focus on creating an environment that empowers others to help you fulfill a vision, whether that's internally within your organization or ensuring that the community that you're serving is part of the process of fulfilling a vision that impact, impacts them. Um, mm -hmm. I love that concept of a holistic leadership model. And I know you and I have talked about that previously. I think it, it one of the main benefits is that it challenges that temptation that we have to kind of pigeonhole or, or divide our organizations into silos. There's fundraising and there's finance and there's management and there's program staff. I'm curious how you, um, how that holistic leadership model um represent shows up in your work or what you see as some of the critical elements of that model? No, I actually, that's a great point, Greg. Um, I think that especially in nonprofit work, we do tend to um, have, these, have these departments just fragmented and working in silos. And there is a lot of stuff that is either repetitive or there's miscommunication or there's um, just so many incongruencies that don't need to be there if we could figure out a way to bring people together and provide the tools and the resources that I also believe in, include leadership development at all levels um, that can empower different work cultures and different work settings and, and focusing on collaboration and, and that cross-departmental work. So absolutely, I think that the benefits are that, um, you know, and, and I'll just back up a little bit to, to speak a little bit about why this is important to me, especially in the nonprofit world and the social impact sector, our work is focused on empowering communities. Equally, um, we have people within the, the organizations who are passionate about what they do. They're the change makers working on those or in those organizations. And when you have this combination of serving passionate people within your organization and serving people outside of it, 
this holistic leadership model becomes even more important. Bringing people together to drive ideas collectively and helping them own those ideas and to have enough humility within yourself as a leader that you have these passionate and, and talented people around you that are in it with you, are, are included in this vision, they're deciding, they're making a decision to be there. I think that's the power of this leadership model is really about a collective engagement that makes people feel like they are valuable within the organization. We know, right, and I, you and I both know that this work is hard. Yes, tired. sure is. <laughs> Burnout is high. And a lot of people who go into the nonprofit sector, they do so because they are passionate. And that, to me, is one of the most important reasons to apply this type of leadership model, because you want to protect and sustain that passion. And on the other side, externally, you want to ensure that you're empowering communities to own their change, to not have to be able to say, you know, if we leave this community tomorrow, we've empowered them with the tools they need to do this work and sustain this work. That's the ultimate goal of nonprofits, in my opinion, act as facilitators. Sandra, there's a word that you've used twice now that I want to probe a little bit deeper, and that word is humility. Uh, I, I know I do a lot of work with nonprofit organizations around developing their core values, and that's not a word that I've seen um, nearly enough uh, in, in terms of discussions of core values, but you've used it twice now in reference to this holistic leadership model. I'm curious if you could reflect for just a minute on um, why humility is critically important to the holistic leadership model and how it can benefit organizations and communities. Oh, thank you for picking up on that one word. That one word for me is so critical. It's so essential. It's something that, that allows someone, a person, a leader, a team member, whoever it is that's participating in a process with other people to really step outside of themselves and see that it's not about them. It's about what you're trying to achieve together. You're, you're focusing on the mission rather than focusing on yourself. And I think that you need humility to be able to do that. And when you can turn it around and say, this is not about me, but this is actually serving a greater good or a greater purpose, the impact that you can have on people's lives internally, as I mentioned before, but also the understanding that you're trying to impart knowledge. You're trying to share tools and resources so that other people know how to use them and they know how, to, uh, how that drives their work. I think that it begins with that idea of humility and begins with internalizing it. Once we can internalize, in my opinion, internalize humility, everything that flows from there will happen in an organic way that creates and scales and grows and impacts in a way that would never be possible before. But as long as we keep it focused on ourselves and one person and one idea, it minimizes the work and it also undermines the work, in my opinion. What, in addition to that humility, what does a holistic approach require of an organization in order to be successful? Um, great question. I think that, um, as you know, working with nonprofits, you have an operational um, budget that it breaks down all the expenses of what a nonprofit needs to function. The biggest expense by far are the people within the nonprofit. It's staff. So when we think about it that way and we think about 
well, if we have um, people providing these programs and services, we have leadership, we have management. I think that at the leadership and the management level that are the drivers of this type of um, model, a paradigm, collaborative way of looking at it and, and, and doing our work, they are so important. Setting the example at this level and having leaders who lead with these types of characteristics and internalized traits. Again, I'll you know I'll say it. It's humility. It's um, it's it's collaboration. It's integrity. These are all important drivers. We need strong leaders, but we also need um, to ensure that. You know, we, we can include the communities that we are serving in this process. That's really, really important. I think that's one of the things that a lot of nonprofits miss. It's not about the nonprofit. It's actually about community development. There were no community development needed in underserved communities. Nonprofits wouldn't be nonprofits. They would be something else or they would cease to exist. So I think remembering that nonprofits act as facilitators to empower communities is such a key point. And, um, you know, for me as a, you know, a development communications individual, really focused um, on revenue generation, whether it's grants, campaigns, um, individual donors, whatever it is, I always work with my teams and I always work with the, now with the nonprofits that I'm working with, really just ensuring that they're focused on building relationships strengthening the, the capacities of their staff. And um, you know, just, again, being about a holistic model and not about their, their one sliver, their one role in the organization, which I, I think a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of nonprofits focus on that one person to drive the work. It should be a collective approach to drive the work. I think that's such a critical perspective and such a critical discussion for organizations to have, even as a staff, is, is how do we see ourselves in this work? And you used a great phrase when you said that nonprofits are the facilitators of change, not necessarily the owners of change. And that the more we can empower communities, um, provide tools, provide resources, but empower communities to really grasp hold of what they want to see in their own community. I think that can be a very powerful role for nonprofits, as you said, as a, as a facilitator. That is, and I think, again, going back to why the Peace Corps was so impactful for me and what I think this can do, this particular model that, that the Peace Corps embodies, what it can do for so many nonprofits and communities really is um, setting aside this idea of coming in with knowledge and, and tools and an understanding of things. And unfortunately, having that lead a little bit to arrogance um, and being able to cast aside that arrogance, again, replacing it with humility and seeing it from the needs of other people, not from the needs of the impact that you want to have. So it, 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 the focus becomes reversed. And I think it's really important that um, that, is a, that is a focus. That's really something that you want to cultivate within the organization. And walking away from Peace Corps, I realized this isn't about us. This isn't about the volunteer. The vo volunteer is here to serve a purpose, 
on behalf of the community and we acted as facilitators. We, our job was actually to ensure that when we walked away from that community and said, thank you for the two years for hosting us and being so wonderful and we learned the language and we learned the culture, they were able to continue the work because they were given the tools, the resources and the knowledge to do it. Sandra, I wonder if you could reflect a little bit on, and you're someone who has worked internationally with the Peace Corps, with nonprofit organizations, reflect if you would on your experience applying this holistic model um, and how different communities that you've been a part of have embraced that model. Great. Um, no, again, I think the Peace Corps model is a great example of the effectiveness of this model First, among volunteers, like I said, to cast aside that arrogance that they may have coming into the Peace Corps and really understanding that they are there to serve the community and not the way around. But beyond that, our community development work in the Peace Corps actually focused on working with Samoan villages and developing processes alongside them that worked for them and their culture utilizing these principles. Um, and together, for example, we created a community development village committee that included, which I absolutely love this concept. And I think that all community development work should look this way. Also within organizations to practice this type of model, which is unbelievable, which is developing village committees or a community development uh, village committee that included representatives from different groups throughout the village that were entrusted to learn these processes of sustainable community development and then lead their groups through it, their respective groups. Together with them, um, myself, we learned how to assess community needs. We, um, based on that, we selected a project uh, based on that evaluation, designed it, staffed it, submitted the funding request together and implemented it together. So this was a very powerful experience, but by no means was it easy at all. It was actually very, very challenging, as you can imagine. Um, and there's, there's a reason for that. One of the main reasons was that it's a hierarchical system. So there's a Matai system, there's a chief system there. And you know everything below it is considered less important. So this posed a huge challenge um, and we had to work around it because the goal of Peace Corps is not to go in and change cultures. The goal of Peace Corps is to go in there and work with what the community has and look at the assets. And it, again, it was challenging, but it was absolutely nonetheless an experience that was so helpful to the community because that village committee was able to gain the knowledge and the tools and the skills to, in my absence, continue the work. And this can definitely be applied across many cultures. Again, one of the benefits of doing this through Peace Corps and what you get from it coming out of it is that you learn about other people's point of view and their perspectives and their cultures. And again, you're not there to change that. You're there to help them work with what they have, which I think is a powerful concept. It seems to me the applicability there for nonprofits, whether they're here in the U.S. or internationally, is, um, you know, sometimes we, we think about different stakeholder groups as nonprofit leaders. We think about our board members. We think about our volunteers, our staff members, donors, grant makers. What I hear you saying is there's an additional group out there um, called trusted partners, meaning our community mm -hmm. partners, those who are actually in the communities that we are serving. 
And it's critically important that we build trust and build relationships and empower them as we are leading organizations. Is that is that accurate? That is beautifully stated and well articulated. Exactly right. I think that is a missing piece that is not given equal weight to that should be involved in the process of these programs and services that nonprofits are delivering on their behalf. Correct. So, Sandra, if I'm a nonprofit leader listening to the podcast today and I am um, I, I'm inspired by this concept of holistic leadership, I may recognize that there are some silos within my organization. What would you recommend to a leader in terms of beginning that transition or taking those first steps towards, as you said, embracing a more holistic model? Mm, great question. Um, wow. Uh, so I would recommend off the top of my head at the moment, I would recommend that perhaps get some help um, and some guidance because I think what a lot of nonprofit leaders, um, executive directors, CEOs, what have you, um, I think they feel uh, pressured to have all the answers and to know what they should be doing. And that's not necessarily the case. I think a lot of nonprofit leaders, they started something because they were passionate about, and that's wonderful. That's a great thing. And they have incredible um, characteristics and skill sets to take it to a certain point and say, yes, this is grown, this is scaling. But, it, but a lot of times it stagnates, and this is part of the reason. I think there's a, there's, there are blinders or there are challenges and obstacles, not even this a nonprofit leader can see or see through or see over. And so I think it's really helpful to get help and assistance and guidance from someone who um, is passionate about this and can help them through it. And so I would say start there, start by asking for help, which is okay. Um, and then with that, I think it's going to be really important to create focus groups within nonprofits among your staff and select different um, subjects, so, uh, ideas, topics that can really allow them in an open, safe manner that, that can, can get them to have conversations and talking about what it is that would improve the, in, the culture or the, um, the way the organization is doing things towards solutions. So it's, it's different than a 360, it's different than um, you know, the, the board coming in and, and, and assessing things, it's really something owned by the staff. That's where I think it should start because staff are incredible. They are passionate. They have a lot of ideas, but a lot of times they, they might feel a little bit shy or, or hindered or, or stifled for whatever reason. Um, and so I think this, is a, this would be a great way to pr provide a safe space with focus groups on different topics and kind of see where everybody is within that organization. It's going to be different for each organization and then figuring out solutions based on those needs. What I hear you saying is just like we, where we started the conversation is that it, you know, taking those initial steps requires humility and requires trust. You know, it requires humility on the part of a leader to say, perhaps it's time to re-examine our core values, re-examine how we're doing our work in community and then trust that those that we are serving, those who are on our staff, um, are empowered to, to help us think of a new way to move the organization forward, a new way to advance our impact in communities. 
That's right, and, and why, absolutely, and why it's so important to begin with your staff is because they are actually the ones out there doing the work. So for example, programming groups, programming staff, they know, they go out into the field every day and they're in schools, they're in clinics, they're, they're, they're everywhere and they know what the gaps are. It's important to listen to them when we're talking about the gaps. Development too, we know what donors are saying, we know what they, what, where their questions are, which would allow us to be inspired with new ideas because, oh, we didn't think about that or whatever operations, we're missing this, this and that to be able to deliver programs efficiently. You start there as a basis, which then you, you take out into the community. Obviously you do a focus group and you debrief and you do what you need to do internally, but then you take that out into the community as a stronger team internally and you do outreach and a lot of nonprofits I think don't do this enough which is one of the things the first things we needed to do when we were in the Peace Corps which is to go out into the communities and learn about them talk to the community members and create a real um, outreach that does a community assessment what is it that you need? Why do you need it? What would be most useful? How would you rank it? Why, for example? So they, they work hand in hand, as you said. It's, it's, you said it beautifully. Sandra, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. For those who are listening who, who may want to get more information about either your background, your services, or the holistic leadership model, how can folks get in touch with you? I am working on a website, which is on hold for the moment, but um, the best way to connect with me right now is on LinkedIn. As you know, I do a lot of writing on there, share a lot of ideas, and um, would love to connect with whoever would be interested on that platform. Excellent. Well, Sandra, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today uh, and also encourage everybody to reach out and connect with Sandra on LinkedIn. If you are not already connected with her, um, I, I think you will enjoy that connection. She is a phenomenal writer uh, and shares many thought-provoking ideas on LinkedIn. Sandra, thank you for, for taking the time to join us today. Oh, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it, Greg. Thank you for hosting me. It, it was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Excellent. And for those listening, this has been Greg Nielsen, podcast nonprofit vision. Um, I encourage you all to reach out to me directly. Also, um, my website is www.nielsenconsults.com. Can also find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Um, appreciate all of the reviews and emails and thoughts that um, those who are listening have shared with us along the way. I encourage everybody to stay safe and stay well out there. <laughs>